You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome again to Fort Myers Community Church. My name is Ben Zitlow, and I am a deacon here at FMCC, um, along with Natalie, her husband, Miguel, another Natalie, another husband, Miguel, and uh, quite a few others. So, um, Natalie, thanks for reading for that for us today. Uh, my wife and I have been attending FMCC since its inception uh, about seven or eight years ago, and uh, I wanted to take a moment to just speak to people who maybe this is your first time here, uh, or maybe you've been coming to FMCC for a while. Um, I want to share with you that over the last seven or eight years, my wife, Anna Maria, myself, uh, and our two boys have been incredibly blessed by this fellowship. Uh, Bill and Tim and the community here have poured their heart uh, and their soul uh, into myself, into my family, um, and it's a real joy to, to be a part of what God's doing here. So if it's your first time, uh, if it's your fifth time, uh, I just wanna encourage you in that. We've had a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of friends come and go, and uh, we were just spending some time with some friends uh, last week uh, that moved away from Fort Myers uh, a couple years ago, um, and they still talk about this church uh, as a church where the word of God was preached and where they grew deeper in their relationship with the Lord, uh, which is something to be celebrated. So uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and it's a pleasure to be teaching you today from Ephesians and from uh, God's word. So uh, as Natalie graciously read for us uh, all of <laughs> Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 2, we have been over the last three weeks in a series entitled Walk in Love. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians since January of this year. Uh, and we're about halfway through a years long uh, journey through the book of Ephesians. And over the summer, we took a little break from our normal uh, walk through the book of Ephesians. And we're coming to a passage in Ephesians that starts in 417, where Paul is encouraging the Ephesian church, and he's writing to the Ephesian church, he's encouraging them not to walk in the way that the Gentiles do. And he, he goes on to say, put off the old self, the old manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and put on, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, so we, we're walking through that passage of scripture and then over the last few weeks, we've taken excerpts from verses 25 through, we'll really actually go through uh, 32. And we've been talking about each one of these commands that Paul is, is encouraging the Ephesian church with and encouraging us with. And so last week, Tim talked about how we are to be angry and do not sin uh, and that there is a place for righteous anger um, but to not let the sun go down on our anger and allow the enemy a foothold. And so what Paul is really encouraging the Ephesian church with here in this passage is he's encouraging us to examine the way that we walk. In this series, what we're talking about, walking in love, there are foundational things that a believer, 
should express in their life. We should be angry without sinning. We should grieve over the people that we're angry about. Um, And that anger should only last for a short period of time. We should speak the truth in love with our neighbors and so fulfill the law of Christ. We should let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. And these are things uh, that we should look inwardly at ourselves and evaluate and say, is this true of me? Uh, Last week, Tim was talking about anger and (laughs) it always happens this way. Literally the morning that we came to church, my five-year-old punched my wife in the stomach and like, she was like kind of writhing in pain. She's like, ah, he did it on accident. But I just like kind of exploded. I was like, anybody hurts my wife? I'm like, mm. <laughs> so I was like, I got angry and, and I yelled at him and sent him to his room. Um, and this morning I knew Tim was preaching on anger. So I'm like, okay, great Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to apologize to my son, which is something that humbled me. I said, Daddy got too angry at you that time. Um, And so we should take these things that Paul is encouraging the Ephesian church. He's saying, put off the old self, put on the new self, and this is the new self. And and Tim has really done a great job at walking us through the fact that the put off and put on is already completed in Jesus Christ. So when Paul says in verses uh, 22 through 24 of Ephesians 4, he says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That promise is completed in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's a great truth. It's already been done. So Christ has already completed that on our behalf. And so, those of us who have placed faith and trust in Jesus The following verses should define our lives, but oftentimes we struggle with them. And so as we walk through this series, Walk in Love, we're going verse by verse. Um, And today, uh, we get to be encouraged by Paul um, and the words that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, calling us to live righteous and holy lives. So I'm going to read Ephesians 4.29 again for us, because this is where we'll be today. I encourage you to read along with me, either in your Bibles or on the screen. It says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, as I attempt this morning to build up this church body into righteousness and holiness in the area of their speech, Lord, I pray that you would grant me the favor to speak to open ears, willing and ready to hear from your holy word. I ask you would allow no corrupting talk to come out of my mouth, but only such as is good for building up, fitting the occasion, and that in return you would give grace to all those who hear it today. Help us to treasure you, Jesus, above all things. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, short verse. And uh, surface level is pretty just straightforward exactly what we should do, right? Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. Only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. But if you are anything like me, as you read this, 
the word that all of this verse hinges on is the word corrupting. So a question arises in my heart as I read through this passage. If I am, as a believer, to let no corrupting talk come out of my mouth, what does that mean? What does that mean, right? If, if you were to exchange the word corrupting for sarcastic talk, we would want to know what sarcasm is, right? So what is corrupting talk? Uh, that word corrupting in the Greek in which this uh, initial passage was written in is a word called sapros, and it's up there on the screen. And here are some of the ways in which that word is used. So we can interchange some of these words for that word corrupting. And this is going to be important as we see what Paul is really getting to in this passage. So sapros, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Sapros means corrupting, rotten, worthless, or bad. Let no rotten talk come out of your mouths. Let no worthless talk come out of your mouths. Let no bad talk come out of your mouths. The interesting thing about this word corrupting or sapros is that it's only used six other times in the New Testament. And the majority of those other instances in which this word is used surround one or two parables that Jesus teaches the disciples in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And oftentimes he's using this word to talk about food, which is why we get the word rotten, which is such a good word. We'll see how that kind of plays out here as we, uh, as we finish talking about this. So it's frequently used, this word sapros, corrupting, to describe diseased or rotten food. Isn't that a great image first thing in the morning? Ah. So I want to take you to uh, a few of these passages and, and we're going to use uh, Matthew chapter 12 verse 33 as a proof text for this passage because this is where we see the exact same word. And I really want you to see how Jesus himself uses the word that Paul chooses when he says, let know what kind of talk should I encourage them not to come out of their mouth. He says corrupting, sapros. Jesus uses that same word in Matthew chapter 12. And that's where we're going to go first. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, and we're going to read through 37. So again, the question in our mind is, what is corrupting? Why is Paul using that word? What is corrupting? And why should I not let that type of speech come forth from my mouth? Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Are we there? Matthew, Matthew 12, 33 says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad. And that's where that we see that word bad is sapros. Make the tree rotten, diseased, bad. Make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Jesus here is talking about the Pharisees. It's the context of this verse. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? Don't miss this. For out of the abundance of the what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Strong language. Would you agree? And it really deepens the understanding of what that word corrupting means. And here Jesus uses it in a similar way. It's talking about speech, but there's so much more to it. So I want to I simply note two observations for you today as we look through Ephesians 4.29, as we look at Matthew 12.33-37. through 37. I want to point out two observations to you and then allow you to reflect on, on some things. So the first thing that I want to identify by this passage is this. Paul and Jesus are both making the point that there is a direct connection between the content of my speech and the condition of my heart. There is a direct connection, directly linked, the content of my speech, what I am saying, and the condition of my heart. We see it very clearly in verse 34 of Matthew 12, right? What does it say? Verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Matthew 15, 18, Jesus would say it a different way. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. So Jesus is very clear on this sort of understanding. The things we say, whether gracious, building up, corrupting, putting down, where does it stem from? It stems from the heart. As I was reading through this passage and preparing this talk for you, I, I titled the speech, this, this sermon, Ripe or Rotten Speech, The Issue at Heart. And as we journey through the rest of this, I think you'll see that Paul is really getting to a deeper issue than just corrupting speech. So direct connection between content of my speech, condition of my heart. The words that, I, that come out of my mouth are first produced in my heart. Therefore, my speech shows very clearly the condition within. Sometimes that's a little like too revealing for us. We're like, uh-oh, I'm really gonna have to watch what I say then, right? Um, this idea is not more easily seen in children. And if you have kids or if you've spent time around kids or if you are a kid, um, you'll know that this is very face value. It's like kids have a real hard time at hiding that connection, right? If you're a parent, you know this, right? I have like a three-year-old and a five-year-old. If they're happy, they know. I've always found that song weird. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I mean, for my three-year-old, if he's happy, he doesn't have to clap his hands, jump around, say hooray. I know he's happy. And if he's not happy, he doesn't have to do anything. I know it, right? Because of the grumbling. <sighs> we just spent like 24 hours in the car with them. We drove up to North Georgia over the past week. 12 hours up, 12 hours back. They were great for the most part. But when, when I said something, no, you can't have your third snack in the last five minutes. <clears throat> okay, it's just very clear. It's there, right? Kids show this truth very, very clearly. However they feel in their heart, if they're happy, content, discouraged, sad, angry, it's right there. Do you agree? Teenagers, youths, doesn't come out of your mouth, right? Where is it? On the face, 
when we grow up and we're teenagers, whatever's in the heart, usually they're like, okay, we've learned by now. It's not gonna come directly out of my mouth. It sits right here on the face. I teach high schoolers, right? Your homework tonight is? <laughs> no homework tonight. Okay, it's right here on the face. So kids, they show it very clearly. Teenagers, as they grow up, right, they start to learn, okay, I'm not gonna say it, but I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna show them by my face. Some of you guys still do that. Um, and then adults, right? Where does that leave us? We have learned in the decades that we've been alive that our words can hurt us, right? Our words can come back, they can bite us. So what do we do? We try as best we can. That thing that maybe that person said to me, it definitely made me feel a certain way, but I'm gonna hold back what I say. But the condition here is still the same, right? As we get older, and, and teenagers, you guys will learn this soon, as you get older, you just learn to put on a mask, a facade, to hide really what is in here. Um, and that's not what Paul is encouraging us to do here, right? When he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, the goal in his mind is not, you know, oh, I won't spew that corrupting talk. I'll just feel that way here. You know, and then when I'm not in their presence, I'll go and, you wouldn't believe what this person said. No, that's not what he's looking for, right? There's a direct connection between the content of my speech and the condition of my heart. So underneath, it's all the same. Kids, teenagers, adults, we all have that same problem of our heart feels a certain way. And maturity is just allowing that to, to come out, right? So what do we speak? If the content of my speech shows the condition of my heart, what are we speaking most of the time? And as I was really praying through this, there are two really practical areas that I want to challenge you with. These are two areas, two types of speech that I see very often in believers, um, and it shouldn't be so. I see this oftentimes in my own life and it's a very, very, very much is a temptation uh, for me. But there are two practical things, two practical ways that we talk that if you are a new self, a new creation, created in the likeness of God, we should be aware of. The first type of discouraging words that oftentimes we can speak and that's an overflow of our heart is gossip. Mm, Uh-oh, he didn't go there. <laughs> the church is tempted and easily give, gives themselves over to gossip. Would you agree? I'm a teacher. I've taught in many schools. Teachers are probably the, the people that are most have the most reason to complain. I mean, spend time with 30 kids in one classroom and you'll get why they want to complain. Um, teachers gossip, right? We gossip about people we don't like. Now you might say, well, this is what I'm saying about this person is true. They did it, right? Somebody wrongs you. It's not false. It's true. They, she called me, blah, blah, blah. Or did you hear what happened to this person? Their marriage is a shamble. Did you hear that? I heard they did this. You might say to me, that's not, it's, well, it's true. So, I mean, they dug their own grave. This is where we have to be careful. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. 
but only such as is good for what? Building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. There is no truth in love with gossip. It is corrupting. It does not build up. It tears down. And it does not give grace to the people that we are sharing it with. Gossip has no place in the mouth of a Christ follower. Second area of speech, and if you got angsty on that one, you're probably not going to like me by the end of this sermon, but profanity, really applicable area of our speech, profane speech is rotten speech. Profanity is rotten speech. It doesn't build up. It tears down. When I was in middle school and high school and kids around me started using profanity, it was just the type of thing that I was tempted into saying because other people that I knew were saying it. There was no real desire or need for me to use profanity in my talk. It doesn't give grace to those who hear. It doesn't build up. Profanity, like gossip, has no place in the mouth of a Christ follower. So if there's a direct connection between the content of my speech and the condition of my heart, believers in this place today, we should put off gossip. We should put off profanity. We should put on the blood-bought, gracious talk that Jesus paid for on the cross, building one another up in love. Do you agree? So let's look back at that first question that we asked. What is corrupting? Okay, if corrupting is sapros, rotten, worthless, bad, what is corrupting? Corrupting is rotten speech produced from a rotten heart. That's great. I have a rotten heart. Thanks. I'll be on my way. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the fact that maybe we are guilty of allowing corrupting talk to come out of our mouths? What do we do with this knowledge? Our focus should be on the heart. Paul is not writing to the Ephesian church. He's not encouraging them, you know, this might be your heart, but just on the outside, don't let any, you know, disgusting, you know, rotten speech come out of your mouth. No, he's, he's encouraging a change from the heart outward as Jesus is sharing from Matthew 12, 33. He says, a tree is known by its fruit. How can you speak good when you are evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What do we do with this knowledge? Focus on the heart. Second observation I want to point out to you, and we're going to kind of hang here for the remainder of the morning. In Matthew 12, 33, in Ephesians 4, 29, we see a second truth, and it is this. Only the heart that has been radically changed by the gospel, only the heart that has been radically changed by the gospel can be free from corrupting talk. Only the heart that's been radically changed by the gospel. For Jesus, there's a direct cause and effect relationship between the two. He, he points this out very clearly in Matthew 12, 35. Look at what it says, Matthew 12, 35. A tale of two people. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. 
And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Matthew 7, 17 through 18. This is another one of those instances where we see that word sapros. Matthew 7, 17. I'm going to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Says it this way. Jesus is talking. He says this. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree, that diseased word there, that sapros, corrupting, rotten. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. Get this, this is great. Matthew 7, 18, are you ready? A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Jesus said that. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Only the heart that's been radically changed by the gospel can be free from corrupting talk. This doesn't mean that people won't try. You and I live our lives with people. Some people live in our own house. Some people we're talking about are you. We, we, we try to manufacture gracious speech from a rotten heart, right? We all know people like this. But if you get to know them well enough, you'll, you'll get to hear that speech that's, that's actually lying in their heart, right? I want to pull something out of, of Matthew seven eighteen. Any vain attempt, any vain attempt to produce and manufacture gracious speech will only be momentary. When Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about putting off and putting on, Right? Tim has told us and we've, we've seen that that putting off and putting on has already been done. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, your old manner of life has been put off. Your new manner of life has been put on. We don't have to strain to put on like a new jacket that's too tight. It's already been done. But for the unbeliever, the person who's trying to manufacture that gracious speech, there is a strained and vain attempt to put on a piece of clothing that that does not fit them. They have not dealt with the issue at heart. Some people, though, will try to put on the appearance. Um, We may be guilty of this. Some people may try to put the appearance of gracious speech on uh, and their heart is rotten. It doesn't take a long time (laughs) especially if you're a foodie like me, it doesn't take a long time to go to a restaurant and eat a meal that looks really good on the outside. You know where I'm going here? Looks really good. That sushi looks great. I'm sure it was refrigerated, right? It doesn't take much to be, oh, that looks great. And then a couple hours later, something tells you that that was not, that was not ripe food, Right? I won't go any deeper than that, (laughs) but we know very clearly, right? If we eat a meal, it looks good, but the inside is rotten. We know it right away. And what do we do then? We tell every single one of our friends, don't go to this restaurant because you would not believe, right? However, think about it this way. Are we that opposed to not spending time with people who attempt to put on a facade, but yet they're really rotten. If you're anything like me, nope. We go straight to those people, straight to those people who have the latest gossip, 
who let some, you know, some words slide now and then, we're attracted to those types of people. Church, why do we do this? Why, when we see a meal that appears pleasing and yet leaves us feeling rotten, why would we do the same, go, go back and again and again and again to the same people in our lives who attempt to manufacture that pleasing speech, but at the core, they're rotten. Maybe that's us. Maybe that's us. Jesus says very clearly that a rotten tree cannot bear good fruit. I want to take you to a passage in James. If you would turn here. This will be one of the last places we go today. James chapter three. When, uh, when, when Bill and Tim asked me to, to speak, this is exactly where I went, especially on this passage. Because the first part of James three, we're gonna start in verse seven, but in verse one it says, not many of you should become teachers for those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And then it goes into this just great dialogue on the tongue and how it's evil. And I'm like, Lord, sanctify my speech. But I really want you to, I, I want to take us to uh, verse 8, actually. Start at James chapter 3, verse 8. It'll just be uh, verses 8 through 10. And what we see here is something very important. What we see here is for the believers in this room today will be a call into further dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit. Let's read James chapter three, verse eight together. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. The more we unpack and, and, and deepen our understanding of where speech is talked about in the New Testament, the more clearly it shows that speech is directly tied to who we are, our talk, our heart. Verse eight says it very clearly. These people that try to attempt to, to, to put on this uncorrupting speech and therefore appear holy. Verse eight, no human being can tame the tongue. You cannot do it. I can't do it. So what do we do with that? If no human being can tame the tongue, what therefore is the promise or the hope for a believer in Christ Jesus? If no human being can tame the tongue, it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we will have victory over corrupting speech. You believe that? James says that no matter how hard we try, our attempts will be in vain because no human being can tame the tongue. So when Paul says, let no corrupting speech, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, what are we supposed to do with that? Because James says that we can't do that in our own strength. He's calling us to be radically changed by the gospel and therefore, in the power of the Holy Spirit, allow our speech to be changed. A diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. 
So the question I want you to ask yourself today is, are you radically changed by the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ does not slightly change you. I'll say that again. The gospel does not slightly change anyone. It's not like, oh, I was decent. I was a decent person. And now I'm just a better person. No, we are. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short, right? The gospel should radically change us. That's what repentance means. Just flip 180 degrees around. God does not singularly desire uncorrupting speech. Paul here is not just taught, the words come out of your mouth, just change them. We all know what's in your heart, Ephesian church. Just clean the outside. We see time and time again in scripture, that is not what Paul is going for here. God does not singularly desire you to have uncorrupting speech. That's not his only desire. He's looking for you to have a completely changed heart. This goes all the way back to Ephesians 4, 17 through 25, what uh, Natalie opened us up in today. Paul makes it clear. He says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. For a book, <laughs> for a book written to a church, as we've read through this, anybody else like just kind of like, wow, this is a, this is a crazy book written to a church. I mean, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is like the most beautiful depiction of the gospel anywhere in scripture, I would argue. And he's writing it to a church. Like they already know the gospel. He prays, apparently not. He prays for them that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's telling them, Ephesian church, don't walk as the Gentiles do. That's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. You see where Paul is going here? This is a perfect book for a church. This is a perfect book, a perfect message for me, for you, for those of us who, who claim to follow Christ. This is a perfect message for us. Paul makes it clear, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Put off the old self, your old manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put on the new self. Does my life look different now versus when I first trusted in Christ? Does my speech sound different now than when I first trusted in Christ? These are the questions that a believer should be asking themselves now. Now I want to take a, I want to pause for a moment and I want to talk to the people that Paul would not necessarily be talking to in this. But if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, or if you're unsure of whether you actually have a relationship with Christ, here is an immense promise for you. The blood of Jesus Christ, once for all, has forgiven your rotten thoughts, speech, and conduct, period. Period. If you have not placed faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, that promise exists for you today to be free from the weight, the eternal weight of your rotten thoughts, your rotten speech, your rotten conduct. 100% forgiven in Christ Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. And the hope, that's just the promise. 
the future hope is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we all should be doing, and the church often does not do a good job at this, but the hope for an unbeliever today is that they can live a life free from corrupting speech, that they can be the gospel to their coworkers and encourage everyone that they come into contact with to put aside their old self and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness is what he calls us to. That is a profound promise and hope for an unbeliever. So if that's you today, my appeal to you is place your faith, hope, and trust in Christ alone. Only the heart that has been radically, radically transformed and changed by the gospel, that's the only heart that can be free from corrupting talk. As I close here and we're gonna respond, I'm gonna invite the band back up to, uh, to play. There's two, two parts to the response here. The first one is examine yourself and the second one may come up on the screen. The first response here for us is to look inwardly at ourself and examine our conduct. If you are a believer, if you ha- are a Christ follower, there is a, co- there is a cost that comes with that. We, we are to lay our lives down take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Examine yourself. Paul wrote this letter to saints in Ephesus. This entire letter is full of encouragements to new believers to, to don't walk as the Gentiles do. Don't walk in your old self. Put on the new self. If Paul is writing that to you, to the Ephesian church, he's speaking the same things. The Holy Spirit is still saying the same things today to you and I. If we struggle with that, it ought not be so. Paul was not just concerned about the Ephesians' speech. He was concerned about their heart and the content of their speech showed the condition of their heart. Some questions. In what ways are you following the course of this world with the way you speak? Are you freely and unrepentantly caught in the sin of gossip? Are you tempted to give in to the sin of profanity? Are you complacent to living life as a Christian while speaking corruptly? If so, keep in mind, Jesus said, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. today, the second response, which we'll get to here in a second. This is not a do more, try harder passage. Jesus made it clear, if your heart is rotten, your speech will flow. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. What are we to treasure then? Treasuring Jesus. Treasuring Jesus in your heart is the path to uncorrupt, gracious, and building up speech coming out of your mouth. Are we a church that treasures Jesus Christ above all things? Or are we still caught up in treasuring the things of this world? Jesus is very clear about that. In a parable he gives of a man who finds a treasure hidden in a field. The man finds a treasure hidden in a field, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field because he has found his treasure in Christ alone.
This is not a do more, try harder passage. No human being can tame the tongue. Therefore, rely and depend more fully on the Holy Spirit, believers. As we sang before I came up, I love that song, by the way. Let us be known by our love. In every word, in every deed, honor the Son. Let us be known by our Christ-treasuring speech. Let our lives be a fragrant offering unto the Lord to speak love. We know people who need it, right? The whole world needs the love of Christ. Are we, are we complacent to speaking corruptly, church? To having rotten speech from a rotten heart? Or will we be the type of church that follows the command that Paul gives to allow no corrupting talk come from our mouths, from our hearts, so that we might give the very grace of God to all those who hear it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would be near to us. Lord, we pray to you and confess the times in which we have fallen short of the glory of God. If we are to be known by our love, our joy, our peace for your glory, we so often fail at this. And oftentimes we leave the church uh, worse for it. And so this morning I pray as we continue in this passage in this series of walking in love that you would open our eyes to a new profound level of growth in holiness to not simply leave from this place and not swear as much but to fully be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ this is the only way we will ever be able to fully and wholeheartedly let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. Help us to build up everyone that we come into contact with, with your love, your grace, your mercy. Help us to treasure you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray.